the tech at UDL had said, look, this is a high stakes delivery. We absolutely need to get this large volume of blood to University of Washington Hospital as soon as possible. Ride as fast as you can, Kyle. Sometimes we have to find strength we didn't know we had. Hi, I'm Helen Pitlick, and this is Bloodworks 101, the podcast that inspires you to give time, money, or blood. Winter tends to be a tough time for the blood supply around the country. Donors travel, get busy with holiday festivities and family, and get sick. And then there's the weather. For example, Bloodworks had to cancel all mobile blood drives on December 23rd after the region was completely blanketed in ice. Remember that day? A huge hit to the blood supply. We have plans in place to make sure that our staff can still collect, process, and deliver blood to local hospitals. But this doesn't mean that there's going to be blood to collect, process, and deliver if our donors can't even get out of their own driveways. January is National Blood Donor Month. To inspire you to donate in January and to show our appreciation for all our donors, we're serving up some extra episodes all month long. I wanted to introduce you to the delivery portion of our mission and one of Bloodworks' most enthusiastic employees, Kyle McDaniel. Kyle is our regional transportation manager. If Bloodworks' mission was a person, Kyle's team would be its blood. His couriers pick up your donations, carry them to our Renton Processing Center, and then deliver them to our hospital partners to be transfused to patients in need. To continue this metaphor, I guess that makes Kyle Bloodworks' heart making sure that the blood keeps on doing what it needs to do and going where it needs to go. One thing's for certain, Kyle has a lot of heart. You know, this may surprise you, but I actually really enjoy talking to people. <laughs> I'm definitely a big picture guy when it comes to the, the operations of blood services and I like to think of myself as kind of like glue that puts things together and, and helps uh, things flow uh, together. And so it's very uh, interesting to be on either side of the process of collection and dis distribution of blood. And it's really cool to be involved with the actual delivery to the hospital, delivery to our patients. It started in the late 1990s, and I had recently moved to Seattle from Port Townsend, Washington. I was an avid wilderness uh, backpacker, alpine climber, hiker, and naturalist, and environmental preservationist. And I thought it'd be cool to get a job as a bike messenger in Seattle. It was the 90s, right? So I got a job in the downtown area, you know, just doing normal messenger work on my bike. And one day uh, we got a contract that came up with a place called Puget Sound Blood Center. And they said, well, hey, it's this, it's this gig in the 
in the U district, very different from most, uh, you know, bike messenger kind of sites and locations. And I thought that would be kind of neat. And they said, yeah, well, you're delivering blood. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, uh, we have a metal cart with two wheels. It attaches to the frame of your bike. And the route goes between our, at the time, we had a university uh, transfusion services lab that supported uh, the hospital's uh, UW and Children's Hospital, right? So the route was going between UDL and UW and Children's all day long for 60 miles a day. Uh, but I was mostly on the Burt Gilman Trail. So even though I had a cart in the back full of blood, you know what I mean? It was a very pleasant ride every day. And that's what I did, rain or shine. And uh, it was a great workout. And I you know, kept doing that because I thought it was a great way to train for uh, wilderness exploration, which was something that is my deep passion. So I did that for about 10 months and it was very formative in who I became because up to that point, I hadn't really felt my way through what I wanted to contribute to society other than my own passions as a musician, songwriter, and a, a wilderness enthusiast. I, I realized some self-actualization one day that I'd rarely come upon in my life. It was pouring rain, freezing, you know, Seattle weather, probably late February at the time, and all my, you know, Gore-Tex jacket, and I actually was wearing a helmet with uh, sunglasses because it was raining so hard I had to wear sunglasses, typical Seattle. There was really bad traffic one particular day. I think it was, there was a Husky game or some event at Husky Stadium, and the, the car couriers couldn't really get through that traffic in a timely manner. So this was the one time really where the tech at UDL had said, look, this is a high stakes delivery. We absolutely need to get this large volume of blood to University of Washington Hospital as soon as possible. And they very rarely ever said this, but this time they said, ride as fast as you can, Kyle. I found out later it was a liver transplant that had not gone the way it should have. And I made three trips that day for that one patient. And the, the box was full of units of blood. And I would ride and I'd go back and I'd ride, get more, and go back. And I did that back and forth about three times. And somewhere along the line, during that ride, and it was, you know, I'd been through all kinds of athletic adventures in my life, you know, especially up, up in the wilderness, carrying a 60-pound backpack. But honestly, I pushed myself beyond what I knew I was capable of. You know, they say that first your mind gets tired, then your body gets tired, but then your spirit takes over. Right? And in this case, I really felt that rush of spirit. And I was doing something for a purpose that was bigger than myself. I had an epiphany at that moment. I said, wow, I'm helping to save someone's life. It just knocked me out. I, you know, and there I was, I was 24 years old. I hadn't really self-actuated and I hadn't really found my place in society. But at that moment, it was like getting struck by lightning. So. I said to myself, wow, this would be really cool if only it was like a real job. <laughs> so <laughs> I think about that all the time, especially when, you know, um, you're dealing with a real job, you're dealing with real responsibilities, and, you know, uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And in that case, I have this reserve story where I can always pull out of my back pocket and go, you got your real job, now go do it. And remember how hard you rode your bike that day? 
Well, we need to recreate that. And in some cases, we have to do it mentally and sometimes spiritually. And sometimes we have to do it um, with the best humor. We have to lift others up. We have to see our mission done, you know, no matter what. And the past couple years, I think, is a good example of where those reserve strengths really come into play. Sometimes we have to find strength we didn't know we had. The pandemic and everything around that, uh, and then all of us coming together and maintaining uh, our commitments and realizing our potential and meeting our mission together through thick and thin, it's a perfect example of that. And so I'm very thankful for that particular origin story because it helps me all the time. I think I can, I think I can. Just like that little engine that could. I know I can. I rode the route for about 10 months and then I was not an employee, I was a contractor. And after that, it's funny enough, I actually got a job uh, at REI fitting backpacks. Uh, and then I actually had another side job because when I was riding the bike route, there was this guy who sold cherries on the Burt Gilman Trail. And he's like, hey, when you're not at REI, you wanna come here and watch the cherry stand? I'm like, sure. And the cherry stand was right across from our UDL lab. And one day I was selling cherries. I had my guitar, I was writing a song. You know, sitting there at the cherry stand, thinking of, you know, the next day I was working at REI. Beautiful summer, I think that was the summer of 2000, okay? It was towards the end of summer, early fall, and a, a guy came around and stopped by, and he was in a car marked Puget Sound Blood Center. And he said, hey, uh, I had my phone, and I went to go deliver some blood to the hospital, and I put the phone on the roof, and I drove off, and did you see the phone anywhere, like in the road right here? And I'm like, what? I, I'm like, sorry, man, I, I didn't see your phone in the road, but is that a Puget Sound Blood Center car? Because at the time that I had been a, a, a bike messenger, we actually used a, a vendor outfit to do our uh, emergency hospital deliveries and stuff like that, and on-demand work. We just had a few couriers that worked uh, directly for the Blood Center, and they, at the time, were just part of the lab. He said, well, yeah, Puget Sound Blood Center just started a new transportation department. I'm a courier, I work over at the lab. I said, hey, I used to work there as a bike messenger. He's like, cool, we're hiring. So at the time, it was very different. There's no, there was no Indeed or anything like that. I actually, I rode my bike to 921 Terry Avenue and walked in the front desk. I said, hey, uh, you know, where do I sign up for openings? And they actually gave me the number of the, of the management team of transportation at the time. I gave them a call. I got a call back within 30 minutes. Anyway, so I came and came on board as a courier and I delivered blood for a few months before I actually became a dispatcher. And then I was a dispatcher for a few months. And then a position came open to be a regional courier. And I thought that was really cool because you get to leave Seattle and I love the countryside and go deliver blood. Uh, and, when I, and I love delivering blood. So uh, I became a regional courier and it was just such an exciting job. It's wonderful to be able to go visit to all the different hospitals throughout Washington State, in this case, the Western Washington area, and listen to music, put the window down, look at the trees going by, and do good, helping save human lives. It was a great job. I had a lot of fun. I did that for about a decade, and during that time, I had progressed to become um, one of the primary trainers for my department. And at that time, you would have about two weeks to ride along with somebody 
and there was lots to talk about. But for me, I like to paint a picture of everything that we did. What were all the different departments? What was all the moving parts? Um, how did this all fit together? And where do you, the trainee, as a regional courier, fit in that? Well, turns out you fit in lots of different places, right? So I could just go on and on and on and expound on things. And then my, first, my thirst for knowledge and to be a better trainer just grew. And I started talking to people who worked in different departments, as well as leaders from the different departments that we support. And because of my thirst for knowledge, I had a lot of mentors who, when they recognized that I wanted to know more, they told me more. And I tried to absorb as much as I could and then facilitate that information to new people and to other people. And then down the road, I became a backup regional scheduler that was working with volunteers. We had a volunteer flight program uh, until the pandemic that actually flew uh, unprocessed blood in small planes with volunteer pilots from remote blood drives like in Bellingham, Port Angeles, Portland, to Boeing Field where our couriers would pick up and then deliver. And I, I became uh, basically uh, a liaison between volunteer services, the organizations that volunteered their time to fly blood. I also became the backup scheduler for our regional scheduler, longtime uh, member of our team at, at uh, Bloodworks, Steve Adamek, who's on his 42nd year here. And I'm very proud to serve with him. And then I uh, later on uh, just started taking on more for my department, more administrative duties. And then I became the regional operations lead. And then after a few years, you know, I was um, promoted to regional operations supervisor. Basically, since then, there's been a lot of changes in our operation, but, you know, change is the only constant. And I have kind of taken it upon myself and also have been called on over the years to facilitate interdepartmental understanding, cooperation, uh, you know, projects that involve the moving parts of these uh, departments that we support. And I really, really like that part of my role. And so that's kind of how it's evolved. And now it just makes sense that I am now part of Blood Services and I really enjoy working uh, even more directly with the Blood Services leadership team. And, you know, it's just been a real neat experience for the past 22 years. This is an opportunity to be something part, uh, be part of something that's bigger than yourself. It's very, it can be very self-actuating. You know, you know, not every day is as easy or fun as other days. However, every day means something. And to have a mission that literally um, works to save human lives, is, it's something that I can't repay. So I'm very thankful for that opportunity. I hope that you are too. And I try to make work, work fun. Truth with jokes, right? I mean, we, we, I'm a really serious person and I, <laughs> I'm really serious about what needs to be done, but we have to make work fun. And so that's my big goal and to make it functional. But we're gonna put the fun in functional. I'm humbled every day by the opportunity that I've been given. I always enjoy talking to Kyle and hope that you enjoyed listening to him. Happy National Blood Donor Month. Thank you for being part of our mission. Stay safe, stay warm, stay healthy, and keep putting the fun in functional. We'll see you next time on Bloodworks 101.